Hey, it's Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories, a bonus episode. My name is Brian. And I'm Murdoch. Well, we gather together today to mourn the loss of a, a couple of significant folks. We, we've, I, I said that they come in three, and then we actually had four. Uh, but the third one, I texted Murdoch just the other day. We lost Loretta, we lost Jerry Lee Lewis, and then Jeff Cook from Alabama. Um, after a, a struggle with Parkinson's disease, about four or five years of that, he uh, he passed just this past week. And Alabama, to me, is a band I've always I've always known about. And you know, we've not really talked about this, but I worked in country music with you for a while. I worked probably longer than you in country music, very explicitly for like almost a decade. And yeah. uh, but it was past the Alabama phase, so I was I was more hearing these Alabama songs reinterpreted through other people, both literally and sort of thematically. But I grew up in a household where there's nothing wrong with country music. We just didn't listen to it. So I heard Alabama like at the flea market. But I, I mean, literally, I, that sounds crappy of me to say it that way. But it's literally like where I heard it, right? Where we would be like at an event or something, and I would hear Alabama. But I, I didn't hear it in my household growing up. Tell me about your relationship with, with the music of Alabama. I had to listen to the Oak Ridge Boys. It was the thing I had to listen to in the Statler Brothers. And if you think about it, there's almost like a tongue-in-cheek, goofy thing about both those artists. I mean, like you, you either like those things, like Elvira and like they're kind of just cheesy things. Sure. Alabama, sure. Alabama wrote songs that were, I mean, the middle eighth was a fiddle. Almost every yeah. damn time, yeah. man. Yeah. And hey, listen, listen. Um, there ain't a fiddle in Oak Ridge Boys songs, man. So it like almost all the time, and it, and at times it almost sounds like it's like a Chuck Berry song. Like the middle eighth of an Alabama song sounds like a middle eighth of Alabama song. It's great, but but if you think about it, they had such. I don't want to talk about the Oak Ridge Boys. I want to talk about Alabama. Like, about <laughs> you you sort of want to talk about the Oak Ridge Boys. Nah, nah, screw it. Nah, screw this, guys. No, but I just remember being a kid. And so I remember Mountain Music and Tennessee River, because Tennessee River was a thing that was um, hard to get away from as someone who lived in Tennessee. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And why, and why, Lady Why? And Close Enough to Perfect. Um, closer you get like, and all those were number one hits. And that was all before 84. Like that was before oh, yeah. roll on before yeah. they even did Th that. This band is older than you just yeah. by a little bit, but starts in the early seventies. And, uh, I mean, sort of an interesting story that they really got their start by being a amusement park band. That is correct. I forget all about that. Yeah, there was this. It's not there anymore. But there was this place called Canyonland, and they would they were the band that played like at the amphitheater. And when they brought in Jerry Wallace and Bobby Bear and Narvel Feltz, this this group of musicians that would go on to be known as Alabama would be the band that played before them and then with them. Right. I mean, how kick ass is is that? And it really shows. You know, you don't think about Alabama as being like craftsmen of the performance, but the songs are there and there's no there's no denying that. There's no deniability of the whole thing. They're before Brooks and Dunn, so they predate like a, a crazy um a crazy group like that with so many hits. I mean, those the two the two guys really like it was a little less with Jeff, but the guys that wrote the songs. Right. Well, I forgot we I, I forgot to mention as a Tennessee Ball, I didn't know 
that it was such a big deal that Dixieland Delight was such a big freaking deal song. And then I, someone showed me that they played that at the end of Alabama games when Alabama would win. So playing at the end of a Tennessee game when they beat Alabama was kind of like, I guess, a ha-ha oh, thing. Oh, it's like a middle I, finger. I but but, I, but someone did say, but someone did say, someone did go, they said, uh, they said, man, every time I was at a party in Knoxville, every that, that song was always on. And I remember thinking like, yeah, man, we, we just didn't go to the same parties, dude. <laughs> Every time I, I went to a party in college, uh, and this really dates me, there was an OAR song on. That was like a whole thing. Um, okay, so ACDC's "Back in Black." You, just, you mentioned easy. Oh, yeah, there you go. You mentioned uh, Brooks and Dunn. You know, as as carrying the mantle of Alabama, and I, I did say, easy. yeah, for sure, and it totally makes sense. I I did say that I I didn't really ever grow up or love Alabama, but man. It was like two weeks ago. Someone called me in the middle of the afternoon, and they were like, "It wasn't you, it was somebody else." And they were like, "Oh, I'm doing such and such." And I was like, "You know what I'm doing? I'm just listening to Brooks and Dunn as loud as possible on these headphones right now." <laughs> I love some Brooks and Dunn, man. Some of those songs are some of the best written from a from a mechanical standpoint. Like the way that they hit, they're like. They're like drugs, man, because the hooks are so good and the harmonies are so good. Put a girl in it, get out of here. I mean, that's so yeah. good. But, but, yeah. like, yeah, let's not lose the thread of what we're actually here to talk about. Alabama and specifically Jeff Cook. Now, you mentioned not one of the core songwriters, but you have already mentioned the fiddle playing. Yeah. Oh, well, sure. So, but they, you know, it's like you knew who the vocalists were, but you, you really thought of it more as a band because yep. I, I would, I would see them perform on TV, like on, I don't know, like TBS or like, or it was just the CMAs or whatever it was. And they felt like a band. Like it didn't feel For like, sure. you know, the thing about Alabama is that those songs stand up like ACDC songs. I feel that like if you throw on mountain music in the middle of a place where it's like, you know, the room, like, you know, man, that's, that's like throwing on back in black. That is a classic. Uh, Spin my dollar. Park it in the holler. Need the mountain moonlight. And, I mean, and like, some of those are songs that depending on whoa. where you grew up in the, in the country. I mean, you know, I spent a lot of time in Arkansas. If you get South, like, you know, those songs and like, they're just in your blood. Like you, you don't even know why you know them. They're yeah, just everywhere. Sure. Dixieland delight was, I guess once it was introduced to me as a kid, like that was a song that it it was a song that I identified with because I knew that I knew that song was about Southern people that I knew, you know, it was like, because I knew what the holler looked like. <laughs> I like knew what's sitting on the front porch. Like I knew what that was like. And it was interesting um, knowing that some people wouldn't have any idea what the hell that is. You know, you live in a city, you don't know what it's like living out in the middle of nowhere. Right, um, right. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it's funny, too, because country music, we talked about this with Loretta Lynn. Country music, like, commercialized the idea of a holler. Like, when we talk about how Butcher Hollow, which she claimed as her place of origin, is it even a real place? Like, it's not an actual consolidated town or anything. It's, like, just a few streets or, like, an area in some hills that she sort of like she built up that like you can go now and find the spot on the map because of the legend and the lore that she built around it and that's what we talk about on the show right the legend and the lore and I think it's interesting we've not spent a lot of time talking about 
how this relates to other styles of music, but you definitely see that in country. Absolutely. It was supposed to be a mystical place, kind of. There's some mysticism about it. Right. Well, and going, going up into a barn with my dad when I was a kid and getting up the top of there and seeing a freaking cow skeleton because then you realize that they can't go downstairs. It's like that's <laughs> that's that was that's some that was burned in my memory as like a six year old. Yeah, not something I learned at, at age six. So you're right. There's a <laughs> there's a specific experience that happens. What the hell? I hope that people start to acknowledge or at least reflect back and listen to Alabama for a little bit, just for, you know, it's like, man, I totally love Motorhead and Slayer, but some of these Alabama songs are just terrific. They're, um, they're masterworks of like Southern country music. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, Bat, you mentioned this, this lore idea, this sort of, it's not just lore. There's lore that's built up, but the lore is is able to be built because the people who carry the mantle seem very authentic, right? So, like the reason it works with Loretta is Loretta never let down that act, right? I mean, it was it was very real. It wasn't just that she was pretending to be this coal miner's daughter. She was. And I did run across this story about Teddy Gentry, the the third guy who we haven't really talked about, right? You've got Randy, you've got Jeff, and you've got Teddy. And when Teddy, when they like got their first big chunk of cash in like 81 or something, his wife asked him, you know, if you're going to buy something, like what is something that like really means a lot to you? Like if you, you have so much money now, you could like really do something that's special to you. You deserve it. And he said, I, I think I'm going to buy my grandfather's farm. The first thing he did with Alabama money. So, you know, I mean, it's like those sorts of stories that really play into this authentic because i don't think of alabama you, you know other stuff of that period you might call you know it's it's hillbilly or it's redneck but alabama like transcended all of that in a lot of ways i think a little step above everybody else you know what what's the alabama song you're gonna listen to oh i would listen to wiley why You've already talked about this, but like the harmonies are really special. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the vocals are where it's at. It really is. It it feels like old school country, you know, just somehow in some way or shape or another. Where in reality, it really was. There was a lot of like pop in there. I mean, a lot of these songs really, but it still had enough of the instrumentation and the and the feel of being a, a real country band. They weren't flashy either. They didn't like, you know, it wasn't like they dressed up and shit. <laughs> they didn't have the gigantic like beards fog. and big hats like the Oak Ridge Boys. It, it, it was like, yeah, it was like fog hat. You know, it's like, it, like, <laughs> didn't matter. Alabama, the fog, the fog hat, hat of country, country music. 
<laughs> why, why did they never adopt that? They should have. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of the fog hat of different genres, let's talk about the fog. <laughs> This doesn't even work, but I'm going with it. The fog hat of punk rock. We lost another one. Uh, I, you know, I, I almost missed this because it wasn't as big of news. But we talked about Dead Kennedys recently on the show, and a big part of the Dead Kennedys, of course, is D.H. Peligro, uh, and he died of a head injury last yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, re- it really sucks. Do you know he was a member of the Chili Peppers for a hot minute? Yeah, for like, like, well, it's funny that you said one hot minute, but uh, yeah, like right. 88, See. like a few months, right? Well, I don't even think it was a full year. It was like re- really super short, so. Well, it was when they, Jack Irons is out, right? And then it was yeah. after Hillel had died, and so Hillel's replaced by Dwayne McKnight, and he just knew them because... <laughs> You know he was in. A, you know the band he was in with Anthony Kiedis. Uh, a different one? No. What yeah, was yeah, no, no, no. So they had a joke band called Three Little Butt Hairs. No, I, I've never heard was, of what this it was. Is. Kiedis, Flea, and DH, and so that's how they knew each other. Which, like, <laughs> it's fine that they had this band, but I also think Red Hot Chili Peppers, especially in '88, was already that band. Like, there's a fantastic episode of 60 songs that explain the 90s about under the bridge uh yes there is oh my god it's so good and what's so good about it is they spend like the first 15 minutes just like (laughs) reading early red hot chili pepper song titles oh (laughs) funny (laughs) which is comic relief in its own way uh, I highly recommend that episode. But yeah, I mean, they were so silly and out there and sexual in the beginning that this idea of like having like, hey, we're going to make a joke band called Three Little Butt Hairs. But yeah, so they did that. And then um, that Dwayne McKnight guy, they got to replace Hillel, like gets fired immediately. And yeah. Peligro sticks around for a little bit and he actually writes songs on Mother's Milk. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he, he, he doesn't perform on the album, but he helps write some of the songs. And he, I mean, much like, I, I think, you know, this period of Chili Peppers is weird because so much loss and pain and drugs. Uh, and so because Poligro is also into the alcohol and the drugs, the band fires him at the end of the year. So he does not last very long and he gets real pissed. But I will say what we have jumped over is the fact that um, he was in a band um, and played drums on songs like, Viva Las Vegas, Holiday in Cambodia, Stealing People's Mail, I Kill Children, California, Uber Alice, Chemical Warfare, Let's Lynch the Landlord, yeah. When You Get Drafted, Kill the Poor. And that's just the fresh fruit for rotting vegetables one. That doesn't have the the one with the penis landscape poster in it that, <laughs> that went to the Supreme Court Frankenchrist that has the song called MTV Get Off the Air. That is yeah. my yeah. one of my favorite Dead Kennedy songs. The the fact is is that sometimes what what felt really explosive about the band was almost the goofy jello uh speech thing doing a thing at the beginning and then you know it's like mtv get off the air and then like the guitars start and then the drums are just in your face and it's just speed and now watching videos of them play like it's absolute fucking chaos there's like you know that's none of it feels like it's orchestrated it's just like for real just punk rock total chaos 
but without the without having a drummer there that can play that fast you're kind of worthless and so it, his drumming is perfect for the dead kennedys and um I think I was a, I was a teenager when I discovered the Dead Kennedys, and I didn't know that you could write songs about stuff that they wrote songs about. Um, you know, so. But anyway, I, I I love that band, and I hate that um, they they all got into litigation with Jello, and and it made everything suck uh, at one point. Well, and you know, we we talked about this when we talked about them on the show that I called you last summer and said, "Should we go see Dead Kennedys?" And you're like, "No." They're not. Yeah, just, they're a shell of the band. But DH was was in that formation. Yeah, yeah. So he was up until the end. Uh, was part of that band. Came back in oh nine or something. Like there were weird periods where he was out, and they were you know they were sort of done. But he did. The, yeah. He replaced Ted in eighty one. I guess so. He's not actually on Fresh Fruit, but I mean he would have had to have played those songs when they played out yeah. for sure. Yeah, so they're they're terrific. So I didn't know how much you had listened to uh, the Dead Kennedys, or if you'd listened to Moral Majority. You ever listened to that song? Well, when it's I a- was doing the research on this episode, I was diving pretty deep on some of this stuff, especially after you made suggestions. And yeah, I mean, like obviously, this was not these were not albums I was uh, allowed to have in my house uh, when I was <laughs> of a certain age, but. A real appreciation for punk rock has led me, obviously, backwards. And, uh, you know, fascinating personalities involved in all of it. Yeah. the um, Well, there is a lot of, like, you know, anti-religion, anti-government, anti-authority. Um, the moral majority lyrics are really fun. The We are gathered here tonight to pay tribute to our Lord and money unto me. Oh, Lord in heaven, let us pray. You TV viewers, give me your pay and sing. And it's M-I-C-K-E-Y-L. And then then I can't sing the rest of it because it's at breakneck speed. But And it's some of it is just blasphemy. Even I can say that as a person who wouldn't even have used that term ever in my life. It is. So, but it, it... even the first time I discovered it, um, I was like, oh, well, this is this is how you take an envelope and push it as far across the room as you want to in America. And, you know, and they had to deal with that. They were a controversial act that had to deal with Dipper Gore and the PMRC. And, and they were they had to they had to deal with that. And I'm, I'm glad that they did. You know, it's like that, that was an important that was an important band. Um uh, to say some things, you know, especially to show that you could you could have free speech that you couldn't like tell people that they couldn't, um, you know, have have their records in stores or whatever. But those stickers got thrown on those records, like no matter what. Give- but I will say, I will say, penis landscape, I- I'll pass. Like I'm just, <laughs> I get, I get it. But like I just don't want one. Uh, give me a Dead Kennedy song for us to go out on from the DH Prime period. So after eighty one. Oh, can we do MTV Get Off the Air? That's super fun. Yeah, you already said that. Okay, yeah, let's do MTV Get Off the Air. Uh, if you want to get involved in the show, the easy way to do that is to send us a note. We are the Story Guys at Gmail You can hit us up on the website. Yes, we are the Story uh, <laughs> You can also find us uh, on Instagram, Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories, or Twitter. As long as Twitter still exists, uh, you can hit up Murdoch at 
Hey, it's Murdoch. Here's a live version of uh, MTV Get Off the Air. It's the Dead Kennedys. Uh, rest in peace, Jeff and DH, and uh, keep telling stories. And this is a song called MTV Get Off the Air. <laughs> <laughs> 